consumer focus on Talk Radio 702 and 567 Cape Talk with Riddy Clappy. So Moody's Investors Service, which has already cut our credit rating by one notch, issued a warning recently which focused on growth in unsecured lending. Uh, Moody's noted that unsecured lending in South African consumer credit market has shown a dramatic, listen to this and fasten your seatbelt, 389% from a total of 40.9 billion in December 2007, that's just five and a half years ago, to a total of 159.3 billion rand in December 2012. Johan Skoltz is a bank fin analyst uh, for Afri Focus Securities and he joins us on the line. Good morning to you, Johan. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you very much. Ready. Thank you very much. Is Am I right to be shocked or having a heart attack at this dramatic increase or is this normal? How do you get a 389% increase in a matter of six years? Yes, it, uh, the growth in unsecured credit has been, has been quite rapid, uh, really. You know, um, I think maybe just to put it in context, it's still a relatively smaller portion of total uh, outstanding credit in South Africa. If I'm not mistaken, it's around about the 10% level of total outstanding credit in South Africa. But I think one one needs to understand the background a bit as well that has that driven this um, this growth that we've seen in, in, in the unsecured credit classes. Um, and it's, it's, it's a function of um, there's a new banking regulations that came out called uh, Basel III, um, which organizes the, 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 the capital levels that banks need to uh, maintain against their, uh, against their loans. And it has made it less profitable for banks to uh, remain engaged in your more traditional um, lending classes, like, for instance, mortgage lending, um, and especially, you know, in the past, uh, a lot of consumers gained access Credit by lending against the equity built up in the in the property, um, the banks have pulled back on that lending class and started to to, to migrate towards uh, the unsecured uh, asset classes because uh, the unsecured asset classes are, are, are more profitable for them. And then and then secondly, you know, also the change that we saw in 2007 um, from the old uh, Usury Act to the National Credit Act. Um, has also allowed for uh, banks to increase, first of all, the term under which they grant uh, unsecured credit, um, and then secondly, the, 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 the amount uh, in terms of the, the full amount that they can grant under uh, unsecured uh, mm-hmm. asset classes. Perhaps let, let's define unsecured lending. Are we talking about people who are given access to money when uh, they don't have uh, assets that could be you know, called upon in the event that somebody uh, is not able to pay back? What exactly are we talking about? Yeah, I think I think I think it's 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 broadly right already, you know. So it's 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 basically, you know. So strictly speaking, unsecured credit would actually be any credit granted that is uh, not a mortgage loan or not um, a loan secured by a um, by a vehicle, which is basically the two assets that, that consumers can typically secure against the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that would be your overdraft, your credit account. And then more uh, pertinently, and I think that's, that's where the concern 
concern and where a lot of the debate uh, is around this is, is, is maybe your so-called personal loans, which is uh, normally a fixed-term loan mm-hmm. um, that is not secured by, by any assets. And, you know, that was traditionally this the space of the so-called micro-lenders, um, the likes of Capitec and African Bank. But um, the, the more traditional big four banks have also uh, started to issue quite aggressively uh, these so-called personal loans. Mm-hmm. And then, Johan, I do want to, to find out, I mean, consumers in the past have borrowed against their, their mortgage bonds to fund uh, consumption. And here we are now, we're talking about unsecured credit. W- which one is more damaging to the economy? Because I'm just getting a sense that being over indebted regardless uh, and not having that security is very bad for the, for the consumer and the economy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, uh, really. You know, the thing is, I don't. Yeah, I would not necessarily say it is um, bad for the economy as a whole, as long as it's done on a sustainable basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've 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 reached the tipping point. And I must say that the most of the credit providers are being very prudent and are starting to pull back in terms of granting credit. I think what we also need to bear in mind, obviously, also is that due to various historical reasons, the vast majority of of the population of South Africa has not had access to affordable credit in the past. You know, I think the National Credit Act is is actually a a wonderful document in the sense that it gives the opportunity uh, for people to to, to enter into the credit market. And, you know, it takes away a bit of, um, it takes away the need for them to enter into very onerous uh, uh, transactions with, with, with loan sharks and other informal providers of credit. I'm chatting to you on Scholz, who's a bank analyst, and we're ta- banking a banking analyst, and we're talking about uh, social cost of unsecured lending. Any calls? Any any thoughts that you have on this matter? Give us a call on o two one four four six o five six seven o double one double eight three o seven o two. The Consumer Focus on Talk Radio seven o two and five six seven Cape Talk with Ready Clappy. I've been chatting to Johan Scholz, who's a banking analyst with AfriFocus Securities, and we are talking about um, unsecured lending. Johan, I wonder, can we call it uh, reckless lending, or is there a distinction between reckless lending and unsecured lending? Yeah, no, I think I think one needs to make the, the distinction very clearly between the two. Um, you know, I don't think unsecured lending per definition is unsecured mm-hmm. uh, or is reckless I should say rather um, you know the fact of the matter remains uh, quite a number of consumers don't have assets to, to, to lend against and um, the only way that they can gain access to credit would be through uh, the so called unsecured uh, asset classes mm-hmm. I think where the, where, the, where the challenge comes in is once again the fact that a lot of the people are first time borrowers um, and don't fully understand uh, the terms of the of the contract, um, the terms under which they need to pay back the loan. Um, so I think there's a, there's a, there's an educational aspect that also needs to happen. Yeah, and the fact that uh, Johan, I'm borrowing, um, you know, I'm, I'm borrowing money against my house or my car or whatever doesn't necessarily mean I'm not being reckless. I can be reckless even. Uh, when, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Francois. Francois in Johannesburg. Good morning. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks. Yeah, I just want to know why why do banks still discriminate against people that's been sequestrated and rehabilitated? Um, sorry, Francois. I'm just battling to hear, but there. 
I said, why do banks uh, discriminate against people that's been sequestrated and rehabilitated? Everybody says you must build up a credit record, but nobody is willing. I mean, if it wasn't for the situation, you would have qualified easily normally for whether it's a credit card or unsecured loan. Uh, and yet they say, oh, but uh, because of your history now, if you look at the Insolvency Act, that once you've been rehabilitated, you are considered to be a new natural person. So how can they then hold that against you? Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 a, that's a very good question, um, Francois. And, um, you know, what we've, what we've seen, there is moves underfoot um, to grant a credit amnesty um, at the moment, they're debating in terms of, you know, uh, what level of income up until what level of income they're going to grant the credit amnesty. Now, under this credit amnesty, they are looking to to, 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 to clear the credit records um, of people that have been back and have uh, run into difficulty. Um, and I think you raise a valid point in the sense that, you know, you need to build up a credit um, record. But obviously for the banks, there's also a, a risky factor that they, that they build in into their pricing, etc. of loans, and they need uh, this information to adequately price for, uh, for risk. All right, we were battling with the line there, Johan, but uh, just just stay on the line for us. Let's see if, if we can rescue that one. But our lines are open for you on 021-446-0567-011-8830702, and we're taking your SMSs as well on 31702. I'll tell you what, while we still try to find a better line, because, you know, when you're uh, doing the kind of program that requires interaction between you and the guest where you get advice and you get uh, you answer, you, you ask your questions, then we definitely need... Um, uh, a great line. We are talking about the social cost of unsecured lending. And I'd like to hear from you, um, you know, those of you who have been over indebted or are over indebted, do you have a plan of how you get out of that? Do you look back and blame the banks or um, uh, the, 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 what do you call them, the, the credit suppliers for not asking you the right questions at the time? The fact that it was so easy for you to get that loan, when you look back, is that particularly problematic? Or maybe it worked for you. Maybe it worked for you and you were able to patch up. Remember, a lot of our guests always tell us that uh, don't borrow money to pay off another debt. That's the worst thing that you can do. But that we need to have laws that protect you from yourself even. That has been made obvious over many, many years. So this time around, we are hearing that there's growth in unsecured lending. And remember that the fact that there's growth in unsecured lending doesn't mean that reckless lending is not a concern. Reckless lending is also a concern, even if it is um, secured, as we heard from my guest. But let's go to Thomas in Rustenburg. Good morning to you, Thomas. Welcome. Hello, Reddy. How are you? Good. I'm fine, thanks. Really, I'm sitting with, with a dilemma here. I have been placed on ITC with records that I have been servicing all the time. My accounts have been up to date, but the people that I've been servicing the accounts with have just, have just decided on their own to, to place me on, on ITC unilaterally. Even though the account has been paid in full, where, whereupon I have to provide now with proof that they, that has been serviced. And at the same time, with all the payments that have been done onto that account, they receive receipts or facts or whatever that has been arranged that they will receive every month that that account is being serviced. How do I go about in doing that business should, 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 should be done 
in my way. Um, Thomas, if I can, if I can step in here, um, I think first of all you need to realise that you are um, entitled to one free credit report from from the credit bureau. So I'm not 100% sure which which credit bureau in this uh, instance um, your credit providers uh, were using, but they need to inform you about that. And then you have got the right to to to, to raise a, a, a dispute against um, the negative or the adverse uh, credit uh, history that they've been submitting. And they need to prove that you were actually in um, in default or whatever the case may be in the instance there. Um, and you know, in, in a, if, if if it were proven that um, you were not in default, they must clear your your, your credit history. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you. And uh, did, did you? So so you're saying he's entitled to one free one, so he doesn't have to pay one for free it. One yeah. Per year. One yeah. free one per year. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go, Thomas. Let's go to Tami Sokutu. Tami, you are the director of African Bank, am I right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, your comment? Just made a comment that um, unsecured lending has played and continues to play a very positive role in the economy of South Africa because um, was it not for unsecured credit, it means that a lot of people would actually not be able to improve the quality of their lives. Um, in African Bank, we, we, we specialize only on an unsecured lending, and we have lots and lots of uh, testimonies from people who say that they've been to many banks, they couldn't get credit until they came to African Bank, and when they got credit, they could improve their houses, they could take their children to school, um, they could uh, deal with emergencies, etc., etc. So unsecured lending in and by itself um, is actually a, a good thing, provided, as Johanna said, provided that... Uh, um, responsible lending, not lending that is done recklessly. And um, also to say that on the, on, the, on the education side, it's very important that we as banks, including African Bank, we are embarking on a financial literacy program uh, to ensure that people actually understand in plain English what they are actually getting themselves into, uh, what, are, what are the different terminologies that are, that are involved in contracts. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think uh, that's, 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 that's exactly what 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 needs to happen. Sorry, Johan, we struggled to hear you there. Can you go, go through that again, please? Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, no. I just uh, I'm fully in agreement with um, with those comments. Um, you know, I think it's really a question of of of, of education, and you know that that will. I think provi- uh, prevent um, any any sort of mishaps befalling uh, to consumers. Mm-hmm. And and Tammy, just before I let, you, I let you go, I mean, I'm taking advantage of your presence here. Uh, okay. Do you have a way of measuring uh, at African Bank a way of measuring the impact that unsecured lending has had on people? I mean, do you have people who'd come back and say, "I was able to educate my children, even though I don't own a house or I don't own property," yes. and I imagine in turn that child would go make a living and be able to buy a property or I don't have a car I borrowed money but I was able to get a house or do ABC you, you've got that evidence right indeed ready um, a number of uh, things uh, firstly we do a research which is done by independent research house every month we've been doing it for years now um, to ask clients of African Bank what they're using their money for um, and consistently sometimes like between 75% use it for improvement of their house um, another 25% they use it for education 
um, and then comes the consolidation of, of debt, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we measure exactly, but also every year, uh, since uh, four years ago, we are conducting roadshows around the country where we meet customers. They tell us very proudly, um, in fact, one customer said, African Bank is like my second husband mm. because um, I've, built, I've built a house through a loan I got from African Bank when I could not get loan anywhere else. So the whole issue of access to credit uh, to improve the quality of life is very important to those who can access credit otherwise. I, I, I have to say that, yes, uh, there would be a concern if most of the uh, credit is used for uh, consumptive purposes. Um, there would be a concern there. But on the other hand, um, uh, it's, it's important to understand the history of the people who don't have um, adequate income, and low income to South Africa, um, etc., etc. So I, I'm, I'm very proud to, to know that we have helped so many millions of people um, to actually improve the quality of their lives. Okay, lovely. Thank you very much for calling, Tammy. Thanks indeed. Thanks, Rudy. Bye-bye. Llewellyn van der Park, hi. Rudy, I just want to make a comment that um, at a young age, thanks to the bank's credit card as well as clothing groups, like clothing accounts, I believe that they were very irresponsible in granting me an enormous credit limit at a young age of 21, where I obviously didn't fully comprehend the responsibilities and so on. So I was over-indebted to the tune of about 60,000 rand at an age of 21, and that was almost ruinous. But what then happened is unsecured lending actually saved me because I was able to make a personal loan um, to cover the full amount of debt. I paid it off, and luckily I was disciplined enough not to make any more debt in this time, and now... Well, now I'm free. Now I'm fine again. And if it wasn't for unsecured lending, I mean, it would have been an endless cycle of staying in debt and the debt only becoming larger and larger. But I do realize that it's a risk. If you use a personal loan to pay off other debt, there's obviously the risk. You run the risk of making new debt on top of the debt of the loan, and then it could be disastrous. But luckily, I managed to be disciplined enough to pay it off properly, and now now I'm financially free. But for about three, four years there, I was really struggling. And I think that the banks were irresponsible to grant me that much credit at such a young age. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much, Llewellyn, in Fandibale Park. And Johan, I'm getting a lot of those SMSs. I suppose it's hindsight that makes us wiser. wiser. Do banks give credit too easily? Is it easy to get a loan? I thought it was difficult with, uh, with, with, uh, with, with the laws, the National Credit Act, the Consumer Protection Act, the laws that have come in as well. Yeah, you know, under under the National National Credit Act, the banks have got an obligation, or credit providers, I should say, have got an uh, obligation uh, to ensure that it is not reckless lending and that the consumer would be able um, to pay it back. But having said that, you know, anecdotally, one do hear quite a lot of uh, these kind of stories where people are being granted credit that they would never be able um, to, 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 to actually uh, pay back. You know, I think the, the thing that one needs to understand here already is also that these kind of things go goes in cycles um, in terms of the bank sometimes freeing up credit and granting credit more easily. They've got um, various tools in terms of where they score people um, for, for, for credit and, you know, by by tweaking some of the parameters that they feed into these models um, that frees up credit being granted or it pulls back credit being granted. And um, currently we're in the phase where I think um, banks and other credit providers are are being a bit more cautious in terms of uh, extending uh, new credit. And, you know, that sometimes does have the impact um, of leading the people go into default because the problem is you, you also find um, 
people that becomes trapped in a, in a in a vicious cycle where basically from month to month they need to uh, take out new credit just to service um, existing uh, existing obligations. All right. Is it Monges in Pinelands? Hi. Yes, really I'm fully responsible for all the debts that I have. But also, in my case, the banks just make it too easy. I would receive an SMS saying that you can actually uh, apply for an increase in your overdraft or in, in, in my loan, and I can do that online or I can do that via cell phone banking. So imagine at the comfort of my, of my home, I can do all these things. And it's just made too easy. And obviously, as time goes by, then you realize that you are in that dead trap, you know. And, and it is quite difficult to get out of it, hmm. you know. But they just make it too easy. In the comfort of my home, I don't need to submit any documents. I can just do it online. Hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, Mungiz, I think that's an aspect, that's an issue that we dealt with in the last, uh, in the last comment, Johanna, unless there's anything else you want to add. Yeah, no, really, I, I just think, you know, um, consumers must also take some responsibility. And I think yes. sometimes the first step is that, you know, one must maybe look to prepare a proper budget and, you know, look what your, what your income is and look what your, uh, expenses are and you know actually try and save for 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 uh, some things because what you'll typically find is um, you know some of the typical things that would be financed uh, by personal loans would maybe be uh, clothing or furniture um, it is much much cheaper to actually buy those items um, on, on on a cash basis than on a credit basis Right, we'll carry on with this conversation. Reza, Tony, Edgar, I see your calls. We'll chat to you in a moment. On Talk Radio 702 and 567 Cape Talk with Riddy Clappy. We're chatting unsecured lending with Johan Skoltz, who's a banking analyst with AfriFocus Securities. Lots of SMSs coming in and tweets as well. Uh, Denai says it's a two-way street. Banks must not overdo it and consumers must be more responsible and uh, don't incur unsustainable debt. And uh, another SMS from um, a tweet says very taxing in terms of high interest rates. Worse, banks are readily offering unsecured loans to struggling consumers. Rendani says very true. African Bank has helped many families in South Africa, most of whom cannot afford. Let's go to Reza in Cape Town. Good morning. Hi, Riddhi and to your speakers. Uh, my question revolves around the ethical process around applying for debt. When a consumer approaches a credit provider, the credit provider's representative um, attends to that consumer's needs, the way I understand it. Now, that representative is given a target by the credit provider to achieve. So explain to me, how does the, the credit provider ensure ethical practice when that representative needs to achieve his monthly target in order for him to remain employed? Um, how do they ensure that? Because if, if that process was managed effectively, I think you'd find less consumers um, and you'd find less people saying that banks are too lenient with regards to credit. Um, I do understand that they need to write an exam and that the exam um, that they write requires a 60% pass rate. But in order for someone to give good advice, how can a 60% pass rate um, 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 afford that person the opportunity to give me as a consumer 
Johan, lots of questions thrown your way. Which one do you want to tackle first? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think maybe overarching, you know, like I like I said earlier, um, the banks typically, you know, so the the bank's representative would not be the person that actually approves the the credit. Yeah, um, it would go through a central. Normally, it's a model based. Um, uh, uh, Principle. So, you know, you'd go through a central credit scoring mechanism um, for, 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 for credit to be approved, you know. So it's not really in the hands of the representative or the salesperson of, mm. the, of the credit provider. I have an, a, a tweet here, uh, Johan. Someone says, is it true that if my loan is unsecured, then I'm under no obligation to pay the full amount? I'm, I must only pay what I can afford. It's a tweet from Frank. No, yeah. um, I thought it's too good to be true. <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately, you remain you remain obliged to um, pay back the full amount. Um, you know, I, I don't think whether the, I don't know whether there's a bit of confusion, maybe with a with a credit card, which is a revolving facility, um, mm. where you don't typically pay back the full amount, or you're not obliged to pay back the full amount. You know, you only service a, a, a portion of it each month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then also, Johan, there seems to be um, confusion about insurance. Uh, when, you, when you've got a loan and you take out insurance against it. Somebody says, I had a loan and I got retrenched and the bank still expects me to pay. What is the expensive insurance for? And then another, really, I had a loan, I lost my job. Shouldn't the insurance then cover this particular loan? Yeah, that's absolutely a brilliant question. You mm-hmm. know, I think um, a lot of people... First of all, um, sometimes take out unnecessary insurance. People must just realize that, and, and, and this insurance that we're talking about is a so-called credit life insurance. Um, people must first of all realize that they um, are not obliged to take out credit life insurance from the credit provider. Mm-hmm. The only obligation on their part can be that the credit provider can require them to have insurance. But, you know, you might have other life insurance that could potentially already cover you. So there's there's sometimes no need to take out what, and I'm in full agreement that that, that, uh, these insurance products are sometimes incredibly expensive. Um, But more directly to the the questions, unfortunately, it depends once again on the fine print. Sometimes you might find that um, the uh, credit life insurance will only pay out should you pass away. Sometimes it does cover you in the event of retrenchment. Sometimes it covers you in the event of disability. It really depends on the on the terms of the policy. Okay, all right. And uh, let's go to Tony in Simonstown. You are editor of a financial magazine. Yes. How are you, Ready? Very well, thank you, Tony. Your comments. Uh, very good. Um, Ready. Um, just firstly, just like any other industry, I think the financial services industry has got its good guys and its bad guys. And it's up to Treasury and the Financial Services Board to root out those bad guys. And it's up to the business guys to be um, the best they can be in terms of customer service. That's on just the one side. But I think what is more important is that there are definite studies that has been done. And I recall one from an organization called ILO, which is International Labor Organization. They look at microinsurance and microlending, et cetera. And what was important there was that they found a definite correlation between access to unsecured lending and the development of the country and the development of the poor in a particular country. So my, the, the access to that 
loans without having security um, actually uh, leads to people bettering their lives if it is done correctly and if it's implemented correctly. And this research was done in developing countries, not developed countries. So there's a definite benefit if we can just harness this properly. And it depends on the businesses as well as on Mm -hmm. the authorities Mm -hmm. um, to actually get this right. Okay, Johan? Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe just, I think something that we haven't really touched on, it's it's, it's sometimes also um, the purpose of what the credit is being is being used for. You know, if it if it purely goes towards um, day-to-day expenses, consumption, um, expensive clothes and furniture, I don't really think you're actually bettering yourself. But um, in terms of uh, using it towards education, etc., I think it's a very valid point that, that that there is definitely a positive aspect. Um, coming through from 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 unsecured credit, and especially in South Africa, where you know, due to historical reasons, we we sit with the unfortunate situation that the vast majority of our people uh, don't own the property that they're staying on, and as such, don't really have any uh, uh, other means of, of of obtaining credit. Anthony in Cape Town, hi. Uh, morning, Rudy. Mm. Rudy, um. My question to your comment is that um, I have my own business and I find it quite frustrating that a lot of times these guys get these uh, garnishes put on them. And the companies obviously, I think, are a wealth of, of information to all these micro lenders and these banks. If only they would take the time to actually contact the companies that they're obviously going to um, check up to see if they're employed by them and they're obviously earning from them and to actually check up if if they have other garnishes that the companies are really paying. So the question I'm really saying, the question I'm really asking is why don't the micro lenders contact the companies first and get their permission to give them the credit that they're possibly requesting from, from the Pacific banks or, or suppliers? Mm. Johan, what do you think of that? Privacy and all yeah. of that. Um, Anthony, I don't, I don't think that, um, you know, it would be ethical for, for the credit providers. You know, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's obviously a, 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 a obligation on their part to uh, maintain confidence um, in, 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 the, in the consumer um, so they can't really approach his employer. Um, but what I can say is, um, you know, that the whole garnishy or emolument attachment order to give it its full name um, process is um, is um, under investigation by uh, by Treasury and the FSB. Um, and, you know, I would not be surprised to uh, see uh, some legislation coming out uh, at some stage to uh, reform that process because I think your frustration um, in terms of the administrative uh, burden that it's placing on you um, is shared by, by, by a lot of employees employers out there. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Stay on the line for us, Johan. Uh, we'll, we'll, we've got a few more calls, Edgar and Roger, and then we'll, we'll be wrapping up in a second. Chatting to Johan Skoltz, banking analyst with AfriFocus Securities, taking the last few calls and SMSs from him. We have been talking about unsecured lending, a very interesting uh, debate or, or discussion also happening on Twitter. Let's go to Edgar. Edgar in Boisens, thank you for your patience. Welcome. Hello. Yes, hi. Your comment, please. Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you, Edgar. What do you want to ask? 
Sure. Uh, I just want to find out here. Um, I've been considered high risk. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. And, uh, well, my employees actually managed to get a home loan, and I didn't because I was considered high risk. But my question is, I've been resourceful enough to start and run a successful business, but the bank makes me a higher risk than my employee who is well employed. And all they ask for from them is a bank statement, payslip, and ID. For me, it's all that, plus the company bank statements, my business partner's bank statements, payslips, contracts, a lot of stuff. That leads me to wonder if banks sometimes, to a certain extent, maybe they give loans to people they think will fail at some point, maybe repossess, resell, create more revenue base. I don't know, it could be a conspiracy theory on my part, but that's my concern. How do you consider someone high risk yet has been resourceful enough and ingenious enough to mark a plan? Should anything go wrong? As opposed to someone who's employed. Okay, so they should look at how enterprising you are. Johan, that sounds fair. Yeah, you know, but banks banks are typically um, conservative institutions. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, people must just realize it's, 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 it's not a personal indictment on their resourcefulness or lack thereof that, um, that leads to credit being granted. It is just easier for the banks if they've got a payslip from uh, a person that is employed, um, you know, in the bank's opinion, that gives them comfort that there is going to be income coming in to service the loan. Uh, whilst it is a more difficult and involved process for the banks, for somebody, um, for somebody that is self-employed, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I can completely understand uh, your listeners' frustration with that, um, but that is unfortunately how it is. Okay, let's go to Roger in Bramfontein. Hello, Roger. Hi, Lydia. How are you, Johan? Uh, two quick questions. Uh, I've been unemployed for uh, eight months. I fell in arrears with my bond, and uh, I've, I've uh, finally caught up uh, where I'm paying off the capital, and I am still I still have a judgment against me, and uh, it's it's, uh, it's a stumbling block for me. Uh, the second one is, will I be able to qualify for the amnesty that uh, we're getting uh, or sometime when it comes to? Mm, okay. Yeah, Roger. Maybe with your with your last question um, first, in terms of the amnesty, um, as far as I'm aware, it is it has not gone through into into um, into uh, into law yet. Um, and you know, they are still debating in terms of the exact particulars that that, that, that might apply should it come through. Mm-hmm. So I can't really give you any any clarity on that. Um, and then you know, I think. Um, in terms of your of your position currently, um, you know, I think my advice would be to actively engage with your with your credit provider um, or credit providers and, and 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 look into the possibility of of, of entering into some form of arbitration and um, debt review where you go into the process called debt counselling, um, which typically revolves around getting all your current debts consolidated and agreeing to with your credit providers with uh, uh, extended uh, terms of payment. Mm-hmm. All right, Roger, there's your answer. No easy way around it. Here's what I think is a great question, Johan, from Mary. Mary wants to know, why don't they lend to non-salaried earners who have huge assets and investments? 
Yeah, that's 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 a very good question, and you know, I think it, it it's sort of related to the earlier question in terms of the entrepreneur. It's 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 really a question of um, what you need to understand when you grant an unsecured loan that hasn't got any cre- uh, assets attached to it. You're basically granting credit against an expected income stream. Um, that's the only security that the banks have in 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 in, in that instance. Um, whilst if you grant credit uh, against a particular asset, the bank has got the security for that um, for that uh, uh, alone. Um, and it is it is a frustration for a lot of um, self-employed people, you know, in in, in this class for people like doctors, lawyers, etc. Mm. Um, you know, so it is a frustration for them. Um, but uh, I suppose the, the the only answer that I can give is, you know, once again, maybe go and engage with your with your bank and uh, try and find some some solution. Mm-hmm. And Johan, I mean, even with unsecured lending, I'd be interesting. Interested? I don't know if we've got the figures. I'd be interested to find out the default uh, defaulting rate uh, of people who are not able to pay the bank back. Because I can imagine it's not in the interest of the banks even to give money to people who who may not be able to 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 pay. So it's a huge risk for them. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think that that that's, that's a key point. But. Yeah, you know, you uh, the, the the stats unfortunately there paints paints quite a grim picture. Uh, um, talking off the top of my head now, but um, according to the latest NCR figures, um, I think it is a fifty odd percent, yeah, just under fifty forty eight percent of uh, people with credit history in South Africa are in default currently, which is um, which is quite a sobering statistic and. They define default as um, three payments. Mm. You've skipped three payments in a row. Mm. And obviously, in the case of unsecured lending, the, the bank has nothing. It can't take your, your assets to repay. Do many of these debts just get written off? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if you're looking at the, at the banks um, on unsecured lending, you know, the, the, the write off rate in a particular year. Um, is, is, is anything from from ten to fifteen percent um, of the total loans they write off in a particular year, um, which once again speaks to the reason for the high interest rates that's, that's, that's being charged on these products. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm just thinking about this this amnesty. I mean, I, I'm not an expert, and you can educate mm-hmm. me on this and where in the world it has worked. I'm sure there are consumers who may abuse uh, who may abuse this one, or if hypothetically, if it were to happen uh, with the financial institution then first have to satisfy itself that you truly cannot pay yeah you know the, the okay so maybe just in terms of 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 of, of, of the amnesty um that and first of all that there's only so there's a discussion and um the amnesty would only be uh, with regards to your to your credit history your credit history gets cleared oh. um, but your obligations um, unfortunately will still remain oh so it's not that the debt is written off i was getting excited no, here no 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 no, no. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, otherwise I think it would be a good time to go and get some credit. But um, no, uh, um, no. So we've 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 had a, a similar situation in 2006, if I'm not mistaken, where um, where the was the amnesty granted in terms of uh, of your credit history. The problem with it, unfortunately, is obviously now the banks don't have the information to go back onto. And that filters through into the cost of credit. Um, if, 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 if the banks don't have adequate history uh, to look at in terms of your your credit payment, it, 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 it. Yeah. so in essence, it penalises people who, who service their debt at the expense of people who didn't. Mm-hmm. Before I let you go, I have an email here uh, from Samantha Alkas, who's an attorney and a debt counsel. I can't read all of it, but uh, she, she's basically saying the unfortunate reality is that a hundred percent of consumers have 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 not looked at the implications when it comes uh, 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 to 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 death to debt. They haven't looked at, um, at 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 the interest rates as well, and that uh, there needs to be so much education around incurring debt within reason and how interest rates are calculated. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with those comments. You know, I think people that that should be the first step. Um go and get as much information as you possibly can. The National Credit Regulator, the NCR, they've got a wonderful website where there's uh, a lot of um, educational material out there for for consumers. And you know, this this comes from a uh, from a party that's not involved actively in the in the process of granting the credit. So it's a uh, it's a it's a wonderful source for information. And then secondly, you know, people should should really learn to 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 budget properly and um, manage the exp- expenses according to that. And you wouldn't advise someone to take out a loan to pay off another debt. It depends. It, 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 it really depends. Obviously, if you can get it at a better rate, um, then, then that's a very good decision to do that. And in some instances, it's a, actually a very good idea to consolidate um, all of your debt uh, by virtue of taking out uh, one loan at possibly a lower rate. Um, you know, you, you, you typically find that, um, for instance, credit on clothing, furniture, might be more expensive than mm-hmm. credit that you can get from, from a bank. That makes sense. Johan, you've been a lovely guest. Thank you very much for chatting to that us today. That is not a problem, really. Thank, Thank you. you. Johan Skolds, banking analyst with AfriFocus Securities. Sorry for the problems with the line earlier, but I think we managed to rescue it and you can still get this discussion as a podcast.